Masechet Yevamot Afkof Tet. We begin with the new Mishnah that reads, Hamgaresh et ha'isha ve'chazira muteret layavam v'ribiel azar oser. Someone divorces his wife and then they remarry, which is permitted. She was not with anybody else in between. But then he dies without children, so uh, she can perform yibum with his brother. Now you might think, well, why not? What would be wrong with this? Uh, she's, she's married to a man and he dies. Uh, so that seems obvious. So the question really is, is why does it be Al-Azad say it's prohibited? Uh, so the reason is because at the time that she was married and divorced, during that period between the divorce and before she got remarried, she is the, the, her, her husband's divorcee. And at that point, she would be prohibited. If the husband would die, uh, her ex-husband would die without children at that point, she would not be able to perform Yibum because she is forever prohibited to her brother-in-law. Uh, brother-in-law is prohibited even after divorce. So Rabbi Al-Azad considers as follows. Since they got divorced, at that point that they get divorced, then that's it. Uh, they are no longer, uh, she can no longer be with him. And that breaks the possibility of Yibum. So according to Rabbi Al-Azad, uh, when we consider doing uh, whether Yibum is permitted or not, what we're considering is that from the time they first get married with the first marriage, there is always a potential to do Yibum. And so that potential to, do, to perform Yibum, if he would die without children, continues, even though she couldn't marry him now that, he's mar- that they're married. Uh, but if he dies, then they could do it. But as soon as, and then as soon as the, he dies, he could do Yibum. But once they get divorced, then that solidifies, that ends the p- potential Yibum. And even when they get married again, according to the Be'el Azar, no, that's it. Yibum does not restart. Whereas, according to Tanakhama, it says, I don't care what the history was. I just go by the time of death. At the time of death, they were married. The brother's available, and he can do Yibum, so then permit it. And I don't really care that in between there was a space of time during which she was the husband's divorcee, and therefore there was no Yibum then. It doesn't matter. The potential of doing Yibum does not have to carry through straightforward. Okay, so that seems to be the reason, although the Gemara itself is going to bring four different explanations for to be El Azar. That's case number one. Now, this is the same case as one before, except not with an adult girl, but rather a minor girl who, whose father had died. A minor girl's father had died. She can only be married off by her mother or older brother. And that is a derabanan. The rabbis did that to protect her, so she would not be um, mistreated by men. She would have a protector. Okay, in that case, <clears throat> that uh, marriage is only a dirabanan marriage. So if they have a dirabanan marriage, and then she divorces, she divorces her, and then they get remarried. So when they get remarried, it's a second dirabanan marriage. In that case, it's the same as the first. And according to Tanakama, no problem. At the time of death, doesn't matter that there was a divorce in between. At the time of death, it was permitted. So therefore, uh, you can do yibum. And uh, Rabbi Al-Azhar says, no good. Uh, since at the there was in between, there was a time when they were divorced. And at that time of divorce, if he had died, you would not be able to do yibum. So the potential of yibum has to carry through from the first marriage all the way through to the time he dies. And there's an interruption. So then Rabbi Al-Azhar says the same thing. is no good. Okay, so case one was all the order. Two Doraita marriages uh, because they're adults. So Doraita marriage one, divorce. 
first Doraita marriage too, good. Second case is two Drabanan marriages. The third case is going to be the more interesting one. Ketana shesi'a abiha v'nit karsha ki toma behayeha av v'chazira divra kol asura le'yavam. If at first she is a minor and the father married her off. Oh, now if she's a minor and the father is alive, so she is not a yetoma, right? She has parents. Uh, yetoma here means she has a father. And the father is authorized biblically to marry her off. So that first marriage is a deoraita marriage. Then the guy divorces her. Uh, okay, so now at this point she is like an orphan in her father's lifetime. The father only gets one chance to marry off his daughter on a doraita level. If the guy divorces her, then any future marriage, even if the father is involved, is a derabanan level. So if she goes back to that first husband, that second marriage is only a Dirabanan marriage. So in that case, even Tanakama agrees with Rabbi Al-Azhar that she cannot go back. What is the reason? The reason is as follows. Um, after the second marriage, uh, when he dies, that marriage is only Dirabanan. So therefore, the uh, obligation to do Yibum is only a Dirabanan ab- obligation. However, the prohibition of, of Edva, of with a, being with a brother-in-law, is a Deoraita prohibition from the first marriage, right? As long as, as soon as she married the first time, she was prohibited on the Deoraita level to her husband's brother. That's just, every, that's same as every marriage. Its only exception is Yibum, if, he's, if he dies without children. So fine, that exception will carry as long as they're married biblically. Once they divorce biblically, so now she is forever prohibited to him, uh, to the brother. And if the husband would die at that time, that would be Edva, no good. Now, the only way to possibly undo that would be if they marry again on a Doraita level. Okay, then according to Tanakama, fine, we can go by the time of death. But here, on a biblical level, they are not married again. She's still his divorcee. So therefore, even Tanakama would say, no, you cannot do uh, Yibum in, that, in, this, uh, in this case of Doraita and then the Rabbanan. Okay, fascinating Mishnah. Okay, now we're going to explain Tanakama in four ways. Number one, Amar Aefa, Maita Amad Rabbi El-Azhar Ho'il Ve'amda Alav Shachat Bi'isura. The reason of Rabbi El-Azhar why is prohibited is because there was a time period, even if it was a short time period, when she was prohibited to the Yavam, when? After divorce. After that divorce, even if the first husband would die, the second after the divorce, there's no Yibum, because uh, a Yibum only met works when they are married at the time of death. And since at that point, even if he would die, she is prohibited to the Yavam, so that's it. There is one moment of prohib- prohibition, therefore, the potential for Yibum does not carry through all the way, and she is forever prohibited. Okay, good. Um, that makes sense. Except, If you're really consistent in this, and you think that the Yavam and the Yavama are prohibited um, uh, as, as brothers-in-law, as brother-sister-in-law, uh, then you should not even require Halisa, because any case where the Yavam and the Yavama are related, are prohibited as as erva, like if it was his daughter, then you don't you do yibum and you don't even need to do chalisa. So you're saying here that there's no we don't count any exception for yibum because we don't go by the time of death, but rather we go all the way back to the time that they were first married. And therefore there's no exception for yibum. If there's no exception for yibum, then their brother or sister in law, that's erva. So you shouldn't require chalitza. Now and they'll be say, yes indeed, according to the Bialazar, no, no need for 
Chalisa, Vatanya, Mishum Rabbi Elazar, Amru Chales, Braita, that says, yes, you still have to do Chalisa. So that doesn't work. Ela Marifa, Rabbi Elazar, Layadana, Maita Ama. Actually, Ifa said, I don't know the reason for Rabbi Elazar. This is an important challenge. Okay, so that was reason number one, didn't work. Abaye is just going to tweak it a little. And make it work. It's really the same as what Ifa said, except that Rabbi uh, Azad was simply not sure if that this was the case or not. Rabbi Azad was in doubt whether we follow the time of death. And that's when she falls to the Avam, and we can ignore what happened beforehand. It doesn't matter that she was divorced beforehand. At this moment, they are married, and then he died, and so she can do Yibum. Is that true? Which is what Tanakhama says. Or maybe it's the first wedding, it's the first marriage. That's what makes her a potential Yavama. Any, at any moment, he may die. And then uh, you would be able have to do yibum <clears throat> since it's that the first moment that they're married that the potential she st- starts glowing, but then that glow goes out once they do have a get, and so that interrupts it. So now you cannot do yibum ever after. Uh, so he's not sure. In that case, indeed, it would be so that you wouldn't need chalisa, but he's not sure. So imitama pelta. Ramya kameli yibum. If in fact we follow the the first opinion, then. Um, uh, uh, we she is uh, uh, presented for yibum, and as Tanakama says, yes, you can do yibum. But if we follow the second reasoning that we have to be from potential yavama the entire way through, uh, then wait, there was an interruption in it, and therefore. Uh, no, you can't do Yibum. According to this, you wouldn't need Chalisa either, but we're not sure. Maybe it's the first one, so therefore you have to do Chalisa Misafek. That's Abaye's answer. Third answer, In fact, Rabbi Al-Azad agrees with Tanakhama. Everyone says that it's the time of death that depends. Uh, that's the, that determines, and it doesn't really matter uh, that there was an interruption beforehand. But rather, the problem is on the, the Rabbanan level. Everybody hears when someone gets divorced. This, it's a very gossipy thing, right? Did you hear who got divorced? So they know that the person got divorced, and then uh, therefore, uh, if, she, if, the, if the guy dies and she goes and marries someone else, everybody will say, well, of course they didn't need, need Yibum Chalitza because they were divorced. But, but not everyone's going to hear when she, they get married the second time, right? Second marriage, you don't, you, don't, you don't invite so many people. It's not as uh, juicy gossip that they got married to, uh, again the second time. And so therefore, people are going to assume, they're going to remember, oh yeah, they got divorced. And then all of a sudden, they're going to see the guy died, and she married the brother, and they're going to make a mistake to think that, oh, I guess the boom can be done, uh, even after divorce. And so that's the problem. It looks too much like you boom after divorce, because in the eyes of people who just will not hear that they in fact got remarried. Now we ask, Hold on, remarrying, uh, uh, since they're living together, so that actually does have a lot of publicity. People are eventually going to see them, right, going home together, being together, and uh, most people lived in small villages, and so that, in fact, is interesting that they got back together, and look, oh, look, they're living together. How could they live together? Did they get divorced? Oh, they got remarried. So actually, people will know about that, so why do you have to worry? And the answer is, as well, it could very well be that 
They got married in the evening, and maybe he died the very next morning. Sounds suspicious. Um, okay, but yeah, the Mishnah, the point is the Mishnah is don't, don't talk about any case. And since it is possible that in some cases uh, he may die soon after the wedding, before there is enough time for the word to get out that they were remarried, so uh, we go back to once again to the fact that uh, people hear about divorces, uh, but they don't hear as much as quickly about second marriages. And therefore, people will get confused and think that you can do yibum even after divorce, even without marriage. So that's just too confusing. That's the third answer. Rav Ashamad Hainu Ta'amad Rabbi Elazar. Fourth answer of Rav explaining Rabbi Elazar de Gazad Hane, Mishum Yetoma He explains that the first two cases of the Mishnah are prohibited only Midrabanan because they look too much like the third case. Uh, the third case is where she is married by her father as a minor. That's a biblical marriage, but then divorced. And at that point, she is prohibited biblically to be with any of her husband's relatives, including his brother. And then she gets remarried on her own, but that's only rabbinic. So uh, the rabbinic level cannot is not strong enough to undo the biblical. So at a biblical level, she is still prohibited to him. So that's why the third case is biblically prohibited, and everyone agrees to that, even Tanakama. Uh, but they're confusing. How are you going to keep track? Oh, the, may, uh, adult, adult is okay. A minor, minor is okay, but minor with the father's alive and then uh, gets married again as a minor, right? You see how confusing it is? We're confused ourselves. Uh, so therefore, you know what? Make a gezerah for all, all cases should be prohibited. The first two cases are prohibited because of the third. And you know what? We're going to confirm Rav Hashem makes the most sense. Uh, because the end of the Mishnah says, which simply quoting the Mishnah, the third case, that when the father married her off when she was young and then she got divorced, she is like an orphan in her father's, uh, while her father is alive, in the sense that when she gets remarried, that remarriage is only the Rabbanan. And therefore, on a biblical level, she cannot do Yibum because on the biblical level, she is not remarried. So she can't go back or go and be with her brother-in-law after divorce. So we ask, Why would the Mishnah even talk about the third case? Even isn't the third case obvious? It's just an obvious application of principles. Nothing to it. Rather, why is the Mishnah bringing that third case at all? It must be it's bringing it as an explanation for the Bielazah's opinion in the first two cases. Why in the first two cases is it prohibited? Because it looks very much like the third. Okay, so that would be from the very structure of the Mishnah, because the third case otherwise would not be needed. Not only the Mishnah, but also a Baraita supports Rav Asher's last opinion, that's a Gezerah, the third case, to the first two cases to the third case. So here says, the sages agree with Rabbi Al-Azhar, 
in this third case where uh, as a child her father married her off and then she got divorced and now at this point she is like an orphan even though the father is alive if she gets remarried again she is prohibited to the brother-in-law because her gehur get is full biblical get so she's totally severed she's uh, from her but the return is only a dirabanan marriage the second one okay Baraita continues she gersha kishi ketana vechazira kishi uh, when is this true that it would be prohibited only if she was she divorced she was divorced as a minor and she married while she is a minor and the husband died at that point all right so then then there's a problem but if she got divorced while she was a minor and then she waited until she was an adult and then went back and remarried her husband as an adult in that case both uh marriages are biblical second one is she's an adult so that's the same as the first case and Tanakama would say it's fine. Or even if she um, uh, got remarried uh, while she was a minor, so at that point it's rabbinic, but, she, but enough time elapsed and she became an adult. At the time that she becomes an adult, then her rabbinic marriage turns into a biblical marriage um, uh, while she's there, while they're together. As long as he dies after that, then they are biblical, biblically married. And in that case, you can do chalitza or do yibum because it's the same as the first case of the, in the Mishnah, two biblical marriages. That's Tanakama. According to Rabbi Elazar, in these two cases here, uh, you have to do chalitza and you cannot do yibum. He disagrees. So you see this Beraita uh, has a, a slightly different structure than the Mishnah. It brings the third case first. And then it brings a variation of the third case where, yes, the father married off as, an, as a minor, which is biblical, but then the second marriage is when she's an adult, which is biblical. Uh, so for Tanakama, that's totally different. Biblical, biblical, it's fine. Rabbi Elazar then says no no good he doesn't give a reason but the implication is that it's because of the first so because in the Braita they bring the third case first as the main one and uh, here it says modim chachamim Elazar. so this is the main one that Rabbi Elazar says is prohibited and the sages say you know what you're right in this case it's no good so uh, the implication of the structure is that Rabbi Elazar primarily prohibits this third case and then the other ones they say oh, okay I'll find this one also and the, these this case here is equivalent to the first case of the Mishnah so that seems to be the add-on Rabbi Elazar is like I don't want to make any difference between them it looks very similar to the first uh, but uh, Chachamim are going to say no really the logic only is a problem in this in this case which is the third one of the Mishnah and in this case is this Doraita Doraita so there in these cases no there's no reason to prohibit all right and now last uh, point about this Mishnah Mahu, what about a co-wife so you have this man he's married to someone who's not related okay now he takes um he marries another uh, a woman and divorces her and remarries her uh, so according to the Be'elazad, he cannot and she dies without without children so now the, the 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 wife who he married divorced and remarried cannot take cannot do yibum you have to do chalisa we understand that but what about the co-wife can she do yibum what would be wrong with that 
That's a question to Rav Nachman. So he answers, So he says, of course, it, sh- it should be fine totally. After all, according to the last opinion we just said, that of Rav Asher, the whole reason why the, the woman who uh, married again, married, divorced, and then remarried, is only a Gezerah because it looks like a case of someone who's a minor and uh, whose father uh, marries her off and there's first the Doraita and then the Rabbanan. That itself is a Gezerah. But so we don't have to worry about the co-wife. That would be a Gezerah to another Gezerah. So there's no problem. The co-wife can do Yibum. So hold on. We have a Braita where the Bielazar says, she and her co-wife both have to both have to do chalitza. So you see that she cannot do yibum. Now over there we asked, he vesadata salka datach. Does it mean that she and the co-wife has to do chalitza? We know the rule. Only if the man is married to many wives and he dies, only one of them needs to perform chalitza, and the other co-wives can go free and marry. Not then all they don't all have to do chalitza. So rather we rewrite the Baraita, what it must mean is she or one of the co-wives don't do chalitza. Okay, so now we point out, didn't you have to fix up, amend the language of the Baraita anyway? So while you're amending it, you may as well amend it uh, further as follows, She, the, the wife who married and got divorced and remarried, according to the Azad, has to do chalitza for sure. Now the co-wife, Oh, that she can decide. She can do chalitza or yibum. Uh, so yes, in fact, you can marry the the the, the co-wife. If he can marry the co-wife, if uh, the yavam can um, do yibum with the co-wife, if he wants, and uh, that would be solve all the problems or do chalitza with either one, and then the other one could go free. Now we have the next Mishnah, which is similar in structure to the previous Mishnah, in that it compares uh, biblical and rabbinic uh, uh, obligations and prohibitions. Uh, so it's talking about a case that we've seen before of two brothers married to two sisters. So we can call uh, one of them uh, couple A and couple B. And so we have a case, let's say everyone's adults. And Mishnah is not going to deal with this case. It's a simple case. If everyone's an, uh, an adult and uh, let's, be, let's say husband A dies without children. So husband B is now going to be the Yavam because they're brothers. Now the problem is he can't do Yibum because the Yavama is his wife's sister. And that's Erva. There's no way. Since he can't do Yibum, no Chalitza either. And she can simply go free. So that would be a simple case where the, both marriages are Deoraita if they're adults. Mishnah deals with what happens if uh, both or one are a minor. Two men, brothers, married to two sisters who are both minors, so their marriages are uh, uh, minor orphans whose mother married them off. So their marriages are both mid-rabanan. And when one of them dies without children, so then you have an obligation to do yibum, derabanan. So it's the same as if they're both deoraita, uh, since on the derabanan level, this is his wife's sister, so then you cannot do yibum on the, the derabanan obligation of yibum for her, uh, for the yevama. Who, um, who is a Yevama de Rabbanan. Uh, so that's there for the same law, and she can simply go free. And also if they are adults, but they are deaf. 
since death in those days was not educated, not mentally capable of entering into a full marriage. It's the same as a derabanan status marriage. Gedola uktana met bala shelketana teseketana mishum achot isha. Okay, so now you have back to two sisters. One is an adult and one is a minor. So let's say husband A is the adult. Uh, is married to the adult, and husband B is married to the minor uh, sister. And uh, which one dies? Well, it depends. Uh, if it's the uh, husband B, the one that's married to the minor dies, well then, um, she she can go free because that would be achot isha. For husband A, husband A is married to the adult. That's a full biblical marriage. And therefore, the Yevama is his wife, full wife, 100% biblical wife's sister. Sister is also 100%. And so therefore, is completely prohibited on a biblical level. They were only married in the first place. B has couple B was only married dirabanan. So the obligation to do boom is only dirabanan. And the prohibition of sister-in-law is deoraita, so for sure in this case goes free. But the other way is more complicated. Met ba'la shel gedola. I'll say husband A was married to the adult, and he's the one that dies. And so now you have husband B who's married to married only midrabanan to a minor. So he's married to a minor midrabanan, but he has an obligation on a biblical level to his brother to do yibum. Uh, so now uh, is his uh, this minor drabanan uh, marriage going to prevent him from doing yibum? So this is a problem, and we're going to have a couple of solutions. Rabbi Eliezer says, let the minor, the sister, uh, refuse. She's still a minor, so she can refuse, undo the marriage, and that, in that case, uh, uh, the yavam was never related to the Yevama because they were never married she was never married to the sister and therefore he can do yibum um, it's unfortunate that they have to break up that nice uh, couple maybe they liked each other but uh, that's the way it is you have to fulfill the Doraita obligation overrides the Rabbanan Rabban Gamliel says yes you could do that if that's what they want to do fine but you don't have to Time heals all wounds. All you have to do is wait. And eventually this minor will grow up. As soon as she grows up, passes 12 years old, immediately, sounds like immediately, I will discuss, maybe do you need a, a B.I. after that to consummate the marriage or not? But any, uh, whatever the case is, when she grows up, then that marriage will be the Oraita. Once that kicks in, so the second marriage is that marriage is the Oraita. The Avam is biblically married to a, one of the sisters, and therefore he is biblically prohibited to the sis, to his wife's sister, who is the Yavama, and therefore, since it's impossible, uh, she goes free. But you just have to wait, uh, whatever, however many years it is, uh, wait, and then she will be able to go free. Rabbi Yoshua Omer, Oi lo al ishto, Oi lo al eshet achiv, Mosit ishto beget, Veshet achiv bachalisa. Rabbi Yoshua does not like any, either of those possible uh, ways out. And he says, Woe to his wife, and woe to his brother's wife. In other words, he has to uh, separate from both of them. He has to give his wife a get, the minor wife, give her a get, sorry, because uh, his, he has a zikah. And since he has a zikah, a biblical level zikah to the Yavama, he cannot go ahead and marry the sister. 
and the sister is only as long as the rabbanan. So on a biblical level, he cannot full, go ahead to the next stage of marriage with the sister. So he has to give her a get. And on the other hand, he is rabbinically married to this minor sister, and therefore he can't do yibum. So he has to do give her chalisa. And so woe to them! You know they were all happy. They had two brothers, and now. Uh, they cannot have either, they cannot be married to, well, one died, but neither could be married to their remaining brother. Okay, so that is the Mishnah and the Gemara asks, Umi Shareh, Rabbi Eliezer is the one that said, you know what, teacher, tell her, do me un, and then that you get rid of that second marriage, and then the Yavam can go and take the Yavama. Is it permitted to tell someone to go and refuse a marriage? Okay, we'll have a little Agada now. You should always cling to three things and keep far away from the other, another three things. You should always follow Chalisa over Yibum. Gemara will elaborate each one of these. And you should always bring peace among people and you should always undo a vow. Don't make vows in the first place. If you do, undo the vow. Better to undo the vow than even fulfill it, as we will explain. And keep away from three things. Uh, so mi'un, keep far from refusal. Don't tell a minor to go and refuse a marriage. And if she does want to refuse, try, try to tell her to stay in it. We'll give it, I will say why. But here's the question. Um, uh, right? How could Bilibiyelizah said do mi'un? Also, keep away from taking deposits from other people that you're going to watch for them, and t- keep away from being a guarantor on loans for others. All right. So, what about the mi'un? How could Bilibiyelizah say do mi'un? If Bakapada uh, said you should keep far from refusals. Mi'un de In this case, it's different. She's not doing mi'un because she's not sure if she likes the guy or not. She's doing mi'un so that the her uh, current husband can separate from her and go ahead and do yibum, which is a mitzvah. So in that case, it's okay. All right, Kufa, Teneber Kapara, but Kapara, you said some interesting things. Let's analyze them. Though, let me back Adam Shlosha, the Rima Chalisa, Kabasho, the Tanya Bashalom, and I connected him to the Shem Noi, the Shem Ishu, the Shem Davaracher, Kilu Pogea, Ba Erva, Vekadobe, Ainai Liot, Avalad Mamzer, Aba Shaul famously says uh, that we should always um, uh, do Chalisa. Um, and over over Yibum, because he said anyone who takes his Yavama marries her because she's beautiful, because he wants to be with her, because of some other thing. For example, she's rich. He has some ulterior motive that he wants to be with this sister-in-law other than purely the mitzvah of helping out to uh, continue the name of his brother. Um, all these things for any personal motivation, it is similar to because it is, after all, his sister-in-law. And so the very fine line between doing it just for mitzvah and doing it for any other motive, in which case it would be a prohibition of edva, and it's so bad, it's similar, it's close to being uh, having a child who's a mamzer. If it is, in fact, edva, any child from edva is a mamzer. So Abba Shol is very strong about doing chaditza over yibum. Is following him. Um, bringing peace is always good. Pasuk says you should always seek peace and pursue it. And furthermore, 
Furthermore, it's not just a nice thing that you should run after, but it's actually a mitzvah, because look at this mitzvah, uh, look at this pasuk. Here it says, Rodfehu, another pasuk says, run after tzedakah and chesed, and then you'll find uh, life and tzedakah and chavod. So just like pursuing tzedakah uh, and chesed, that is certainly a mitzvah, and that's, those are things that you should run after. So too, uh, shalom is not simply a nice thing, but it's a commandment to run after peace. And now, hafarat nedarim kedir binatan deten nebrinatan amenadonder keilu banabama vamekayemo keilu ikrib alei hakorban. Someone who makes a vow, it's like he built a, an altar, a personal or, uh, altar outside the Beit Hamikdash, which is prohibited. And even if you fulfill the mitzvah, in a way, it's even worse. If you fulfill the vow, it's even worse. It's like you actually made a a sacrifice on the altar, which is a double sin. So that doesn't mean that it's better to make a vow and not fulfill it. But the point is, don't make a vow in the first place. Why is it similar to building a personal or a, a bama and making a sacrifice? The point is, is that the mitzvah, the Torah gives you many, many prohibitions already. You already have lots of lota se ase. Focus on those only. If you're going to go and add add more restrictions outside of the Torah, that's like you're doing another form of worship. You have the Bet HaMikdash. That's the established one. And now you go and say, I'm going to make another sacrifice, my own. Even if you fulfill the, 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 the vow, so in which case it's not a false vow, okay, fine, but you're still adding more to the Torah that was not commanded. So focus on what you're commanded in and not other things. Based on this reasoning, could be if one makes a vow in order to help him uphold one of the Torah laws. Uh, for example, perhaps that would not be like a foreign uh, uh, worship. This may be focused more on ascetic practices that are associated with other religions, and so that's why it's uh, treated so harshly. Vitrachek Mishuzok could explain why we why we do Hatarat Adarim so many times, right? Just don't 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 make vows, and if you make vows, undo them. Hitrachek Mishuloshad Devarim Mina Meunin Tilma Gadla Umidhare Umihartaba. Rabbi Kapara also said, stay away from three things. Stay away from Miun. Don't let a minor girl make a refusal because she may grow up and then regret, oh, why did I refuse it? As a, she's still a minor after all. So, you know, she got into it and uh, she may think uh, the grass is greener, you know, I'll find someone better, whatever. And then she'll, you know, she may very well grow up and say, oh, why did I refuse that guy? He was perfectly fine. And so it's more likely that she'll be happy though, as, uh, as she is. Um, after all, it's her mother. I'm sure her mother picked us someone good for her. Okay, mina pikdonot bebar mata debete ki bete dame. Don't uh, take uh, uh, deposits from people. Hey, can you watch this for me? Because now you're taking responsibility for this item, and uh, uh, this is talking about in someone's in the same city, right? The person lives if they live in a different city from you, and they're traveling. Hey, can you hold on to this? I'm going there. I'm coming back. You know, that's one thing because they don't have anywhere to put. It. But if the person lives in the same city, then it's going to be just as safe in that person's house than it is in your house. And now you're just taking on you, uh, upon yourself responsibility uh, without any benefit. So don't take upon yourself more liability. Uh, and uh, don't be a guarantor. On the one hand, it's not nice to be a guarantor because then you're helping a person get a loan. But just talking about specifically about this Sheltzion guarantor where the, uh, the, the borrower uh, comes and uh, collects 
the, the lender rather, the lender will collect money directly from the guarantor first, even before the borrower. So in that case, if you're the guarantor, you're really on the line and you're going to have to pay. And then you're going to have the responsibility of, of, of going and running after the borrower to make up the money. And so that's just uh, taking upon yourself too much liability and try to stay away from that. Pasuk says, he who serves as a guarantor for a stranger will suffer evil in the end. Uh, but the Pasuk goes on and says, he who hates those who, who shake hands is secure. The full Pasuk in Hebrew we're going to need, so here it is. Boteach, you spurns pledging shall be secure. Uh, okay, so we're going to explain each part of this. Uh, so the ra yeroa uh, is referring to, uh, yeah, is referring to double evil. Evil upon evil will come to those who accept converts. The converts is this the word zar. Uh, so this is um, this is a negative statement about accepting converts. Ul arve shel siyon. So the arav is talking about accept taking upon yourself as being a guarantor, uh, this type of guarantor of Shelsion, where the guarantor pays directly. Uh, this is the rest of the Pasuk that says Tokeya, someone who um, confounds himself in matters of halacha, connects himself in some way in matters of halacha. I will explain what this means. Okay. It's a negative statement about accepting converts follows who says that converts are as bad for the Jewish people like sara'at uh, uh, legions on skin. Uh, so if imagining the body, the Jewish people as a body and then a convert coming clinging onto it like a disease that will spread. Okay, there's a lot of, there are many, many positive statements about converts and we saw many of them but there are also negative statements about converts so why so negative uh, the idea is that if um, uh, the convert is not sincere and is uh, is uh, not uh, as could be a bad influence on others who uh, in within the Jewish community and so in that sense is like a disease on skin uh, but uh, you know good converts are good so what is this uh, guarantor of Shelsion, they do this pull out thrust in. In other words, they pull out the borrower and put the guarantor in his place. So the borrower doesn't have to pay directly. The guarantor has to pay instead. Don't put yourself in that position to have to pay first and then you have to run after the borrower. What does that mean? Someone who says, I have no Torah. Well, then he has no Torah. Now we ask, Peshita, as does he mean? It's a tautology. Someone says, I want nothing but Torah. Well, he, then he will have nothing but Torah. Okay, that also doesn't, doesn't really teach anything. What we mean is that uh, someone who says, I want to have only Torah, he will not even have Torah. In other words, if he says, I'm only learning Torah, I don't want anything else, I'm not going to do practice good deeds, I'm not going to do anything, um, I'm only going to learn it, uh, then then not only does he not have any mitzvot, he also, his Torah is, does not count as anything. The Pasuk says, learn them. 
and perform them. The purpose of learning them is to perform them. Anyone who does them, then you get credit for also learning them. But if you don't practice them, then your learning them is not as worthless. They go hand in hand. The Torah study and the action uh, that follows from it, uh, the action will then uh, uh, redeem, justify the learning and uh, then 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 it's both are worthy and one gets credit for both but the study by itself without practicing practicing them not then the study itself is not even valuable uh, or a second understanding of the maybe like we said originally someone um, who said he has uh, nothing other than Torah someone says I am, I'm only going to learn Torah I'm not going to do anything maybe in fact that is the person we're talking about and uh, we're talking about someone who says I will study Torah, I will teach others, and they will perform it. I'm not going to perform any mitzvot, but I'll teach others and they will perform it. So you might have thought, Maybe he, there would be reward for him because he's teaching others and the others are practicing. So that's uh, good enough. So it's Torah study that leads to practice, even though not his own. And so that's what he means. Uh, no, if you say, I'm only going to have the uh, uh, Torah then and nothing else, then he doesn't even get the Torah unless he himself also practices the second third interpretation someone who attaches himself to a matter of halacha or confounds himself in the matter of halacha refers to a judge where a case comes before him. And regarding this case, he learned the halacha that's similar to the case that's before him. And he says, you know what, this case is similar to the one I learned. And so he rules based on his own judgment even though there is, he has a teacher that's uh, near him, and he doesn't go and ask the teacher. Instead, he's he's uh, he's relying on his own uh, 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 leap uh, leap of judgment. Uh, that's what it's talking about. That he attaches himself to a davar halacha uh, instead of going directly to his teacher. This judge shows he's not so he's not so uh, worried about coming to a wrong decision. If he was really really worried, if your life depended on it, would you say ah oh, case E is, uh, case A is similar to case B, or would you go ask the expert first? Right, if you're, if it was a sword uh, uh, on your neck, here uh, some some versions have on your neck. Here it says placed between your thighs, so that if you go a little to the right or a little to the left, then the sword will cut you. And Gehinam is open, uh, open below him like a trap door. He makes any mistake, and that's it. Uh, uh, that uh, the, the bed of Shalomah had uh, people surrounding it and protecting it all around. Uh, Sixty men, mighty men of Israel, all handling it. So because of the dread of the night, the night doesn't mean literally night, but rather from Gehinam, which is similar 
to the night. And so, therefore, a person who is like Shalomo, who is judging, should uh, always be, be that afraid. And if you're that afraid, then you're not going to rely on your own judgment comparing one thing to the other, but rather you're going to go and ask and double-check to make sure that you are correct. All right, that's the end of the Agadah that we only came to because we had a question about, wait a second, can you tell someone to do Mi'un? All right, and now we get to the Bangam Omer Imme'ana. He says, yes, you, you, if you did that, fine, if you, if you told her to refuse, but actually all you need to do is wait till the minor grows up, and as soon as she grows up, then that becomes a biblical marriage, and once it's a biblical marriage, then the Yavam will be prohibited to the Yavama because it'll be his wife's sister, biblically, and then that way she can go free. So Rabbi Al-Azad asks Rav, uh, uh, what exactly is the reasoning of Rabban Gamliel? Is it, here's reasoning A, because Rabban Gamliel thinks that when a minor does Kiddushin, it's, uh, it's held in suspension. And when she grows up, and uh, in, in that state, uh, so it, it, she becomes uh, becomes a, um, a full um, uh, uh, become right when she grows up. Then so too the kiddushin becomes a biblical kiddushin, and even if they don't consummate with biah, just automatically on her birthday or whenever she sees signs that she is now a gedola, so it immediately turns in from turns from a drabanan to a deoraita marriage, even without Biyah. Is that the reason? Or maybe he thinks anyone who uh, does Kiddushin with the sister of a Yevama, in other words, they have a Yevama and Yevama, and they're not married, to, he's not, the Yevama is not married to the sister uh, yet. And so he has a, an obligation, he has a Zika, and if he should go ahead and instead of doing Yibum, instead he goes and uh, does Kiddushin with the sister of the Yevama, then the Yevama can leave her. And now how could that happen? Only if he Baal, only if he consummates with, um, with Bi'ah. If not, then not yet, doesn't work. You have to do Bi'ah in order to consummate the, the uh, marriage with the sister before the other one goes free. Uh, so therefore, you can't just wait till the minor grows up. It doesn't become a biblical connection automatically, not until after she becomes an adult. Then you do bi'ah. Then, uh, then the biblical marriage kicks in. So which is it? And the answer, he told, told Rav, Rav said, the answer is the second one. That's what Rabban Gamaliel thinks, that um, this would be like a general case of a man who does, who does Kiddushin with the sister of the Yavama. Uh, so in such a case, uh, she goes free. Uh, the Yevama can go free, but that's only if they consummated with Biyah, but not otherwise. And so that would be the same as the minor growing up. It's not enough for her just to grow up. They also have to consummate um, with Biyah.
So this was Rav's answer, and it's going to be challenged. Rav says, Rav must have been sleeping when he said this, because it's astounding, since it goes against a baraita. Baraita says that someone who does kiddushin with a minor, her, the kiddushin, is in suspension. So my tiluyin, what do you mean it's in suspension? Uh, it sounds like that uh, uh, even when she grows up, uh, the uh, uh, that when she grows up, then the uh, betrothal also grows up with her and becomes a biblical one, even though there's no bi'ah, right? The point is of, of suspense. That's the point of saying it's in suspension, waiting until what? Waiting until she grows up. It's because the other opinion that says you need a bi'ah, basically that bi'ah would be its own new kiddushin, a biblical kiddushin with bi'ah. That's the point. So if you're saying it's uh, it's in suspension, it means it's waiting only, not for a new bi'ah, but it's simply waiting for it to grow up. So they have a b'raita that says the first option above, how could Rav say the second option? So Ravin explains uh, that in fact the b'raita is consistent with what Rav says. You won't have to say he was sleeping uh, because this matter of a minor is in suspension and remains in suspension. If uh, after she grows up there is bi'ah, then yes indeed every, it will kick in and become a biblical full, uh, full kiddushin, and if not, then it won't. Uh, because in what way, and then you, you call it suspended if you have to do a new one, because she says, ah, he is better than me and I am better than her. Uh, be- better than him. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, he is better than me in that he can give me a get unilaterally. Uh, but I am better than him because I can ref- do refusal. So you see, since she can do refusal anytime, it's always in suspension because she can break it up. He can break it up. She can break it up. It's double, uh, double um, option of refusal. And in that sense, it's always suspended. But it doesn't mean that automatically it will become a biblical kiddushin when she grows up. You're still going to need a bi'ah in order to bring it from the Rabbanan to a Deoraita level. Continue tomorrow with uh, more about this statement of Rav and the machloket he had with Shemuel. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.